from the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It's the Craig Needles Podcast at LondonNewsToday.ca, ClassicRock981.com, wherever you get your podcasts. And I wanted to talk about provincial politics today with someone who is currently a federal politician. And that's uh, Nader Skin-Smith, who has been kind enough to join us to talk about in considering running for the Ontario Liberal leadership. And he uh, joins us here on the, the podcast to talk about that and uh, maybe a couple of London things as well. Uh, Nate, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate the time. Yeah, no, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, so first, let's talk about the consideration that you're going through here. Do you want to run for the uh, Ontario Liberal leadership right now? What's going through your mind right now? What's the thought process behind what that decision may eventually wind up being? I am thinking through that core question, how does one make the biggest difference? And I got involved in federal politics 10 years ago. I was practicing law and I looked at federal politics with great frustration because the conservative government of the day was doing many things that I was frustrated with and doing other, you know, not doing things that I thought they should be doing. And the Liberal Party was in third place and in need of serious generational renewal. And that's where I felt I could make the biggest difference. And all of the same parallels apply at the provincial level right now. When you fast forward 10 years later, you've got an Ontario Liberal Party that is in need of serious renewal. I would say generational renewal. I think we need to respect the past, but to really build something new here. And we have a very frustrating conservative majority government where there's deep incompetence, whether it's in our healthcare system, whether it's the lack of protections for the environment, whether it is in our school system, which they're deeply underfunding in a frustrating way. And so you, you run down the list and, and you see that deep incompetence and you ask yourself the question, how do I make the biggest difference? And it's hard to think of a bigger difference to make than to get involved at the provincial level right now. That's actually interesting about where you can make the biggest difference because, you know, as, as I look at your career, I think you're a guy who uh, has a reputation, deservedly so in my estimation, of being a relatively independent MP, someone who can work across party lines, someone who isn't necessarily always going to toe the party line even for your own party. So I, I wonder from that, is leadership of a party the best role for you just sort of based on what you've been doing in federal politics since you've been elected in 2015? It's an interesting question because I, I do feel like in the role that we've had over these last seven plus years, we've made a big difference. And I can mention specific policy areas on treating drug use as a health issue and addressing mental health and addictions, or whether it is net zero by 2050 and climate action, whether it is pediatric cancer research and increasing funding on that file, supporting workers who are low income workers and increasing benefits on that on that front. There, there are any number of issues I can point to where we've, you know, I've seen the government agenda shaped by some of our advocacy. Having said that, I I do think from the backbench, you can make a huge difference and, and there's a, a huge opportunity for any member of parliament to make a difference, especially by working across party lines, especially by taking a more independent approach. But there's a, an even bigger opportunity to make a difference when you are responsible for setting the tone, when you're responsible for setting the agenda, when you are in a leadership position for an entire party and, and ultimately, hopefully, the government. And if you care about that idea of doing politics differently, as I do, to say we should be a little bit less partisan, we should work across the aisle, we should build coalitions in caucus, and we should disagree at times, so long as that disagreement is based on ideas and, and not personal attack. If you care about that kind of an approach to politics, you can really change the culture of politics when, when you set the tone from the top. So how how would you set the tone from the top then? Because it's it's no secret the party in in two consecutive elections here 
has just been absolutely crushed by the, <laughs> the the conservatives and the NDP. There's there's no other way to phrase it. I that's you can't really dress it up. If you go from having government to having seven seats and then having eight seats, it's the only way you can talk about it. So the party's in a bad spot. How would you put the party in a better spot in your estimation? I think there are three things that need to happen. One is there's a return to taking grassroots engagement and and volunteerism much more seriously. So when I travel the province, and I've traveled a good deal of the province, including in London, I've traveled a good deal of the province over the last number of months. And the Liberal Party still in Ontario has some strength in certain pockets of this province, but but overwhelmingly, it is a shell of its former self. And we, we need to renew that sense of optimism, that sense of whether one is a big L liberal for many years or is new to politics and wanting to make a difference, reminding everyone that the answer is participation, politics for all of its faults. And I've been in politics long enough to know there are faults, but it is one of the most important ways we make a difference in the lives of our neighbors and those around us. And we need more people to see politics that way and to get involved. So I think that there's a, a really positive, optimistic message about the answer being participation and getting involved in politics to make a difference that we need to deliver and and renew that grassroots engagement, renew that volunteerism all across the province. Two, I think it's really important we get back to basics, not only with respect to that kind of organization that I just articulated, but also with respect to our our ideas. What what do we stand for? We, we can't just be the not Doug Ford party. We we tried that, we failed, and and frankly, I, I don't want that in our politics. We have to define ourselves in a positive way. I would say. Why am I a liberal? It's because I believe in serious, competent government. I want a strong economic agenda. I want fiscal discipline. I also want fairness and compassion for those in need. And I want integrity and honesty. And, and it's that latter point around integrity that I think we need to bring serious people into politics. We need serious people to see politics as a vehicle for making a difference. And I would lean on my track record of, I think, conducting myself with integrity in politics to say, if you want to be part of making a difference, maintaining your own voice, being a voice for your community, not always towing the party line, but but really delivering on the things that you care about and, and helping to shape my government's agenda if, if we're successful in getting there, then, then now's the time to get involved. And, and we're all going to conduct ourselves with that kind of integrity. Uh, you noted that you're, uh, you're a liberal in there. Just to, uh, to be clear, you're not currently the leader of the Ontario Green Party, right? <laughs> just I, I I feel like I should be asking liberal leadership candidates that question but uh, as long uh, as you're no, not I, then, I, yeah. I, I have not and I've never been a member of the Green Party <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, uh, I'm going full McCarthy know, I, on I this episode I will say though in fa- you know I, I, I will be gentle I, those liberals who signed that letter I think it was misguided but I will say they are touching on something there where they want to see politics done differently they want to see an optimistic vision they want to see someone who's going to work across party lines and who's going to speak to ideas, whether it's housing affordability, whether it's climate action, speak to a level of seriousness around ideas, that it's not just going to be a slogan come election time. And I, and I do think they're not wrong that many people want that out of our politics. Even progressive conservatives I speak to are, are just frustrated at the dismal level of seriousness at Queen's Park and, and a deep incompetence there. And they want better from our politics. And I, I think if we focus on that level of seriousness, I think we'll be successful. What's Doug Ford getting wrong? You, you, you mentioned we can't be the, the not Doug Ford party, and I, and I agree. I, but I, I do think there has to be some element of, hey, this is what the premier's getting wrong, and here's what we would do that's different and better. What are the things Doug Ford's getting wrong in your estimation? Right. So I think you're right. We have to draw a sharp contrast. It can't just be tearing the government down, but it has to be a sharp contrast to say 
the government is getting this wrong and we're going to do this better by by abc and let's be specific so on healthcare, for example they are underspending on our healthcare system we spend less than the national average on healthcare here in ontario and we see the results we see emergency rooms overcrowded we see almost two million ontarians without access to primary care we see a mental health and addictions crisis when i speak to the mayor of timmins when i speak to the mayor of Sault Ste. Marie, when I speak to the former executive director of the London Economic Development Corporation or outgoing city councillors in Windsor, mental health and addictions is top of mind and the opioid crisis is top of mind. When you look at housing affordability, it comes up everywhere as well. And the Ford government is saying the right things, at least on, on that front, but they are causing chaos with the, with the gutting of development charges. No housing is being built and we're seeing housing starts slow, not just because of the interest rate environment, but because of the, the, the chaos that the four governments caused. You look at the mistreatment of education workers. We can we can highlight that. But frankly, when you look at the independent accountability officer at the provincial level, they point to billions of dollars in a shortfall when you look at what the education system needs and what the Ford government has budgeted for. And we are going to see excellence in education seriously undermined for our kids because of that underspending and the fact it's not a priority for this government. And then just on the integrity file, you look at the ironclad commitment to protect the Greenbelt. And then within mere months of getting elected with another majority, they turn around and they break that promise. That That is exactly why people do not trust in politics and in, and, in, and in the political process. And so that core idea of we need confidence in managing the big files that matter in our daily lives on healthcare and education. We need fairness for whether it's nurses or whether it's education workers, whether it is people on ODSP, we need a sincere level of fairness and and we need integrity and honesty in what we do and, and, and how we conduct ourselves. You know, I, I look at provincial politics around the country and I look at Alberta and I look at some of the other provinces, uh, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and think to myself, in, in places like that, the provincial liberal party has essentially been marginalized and it's the, the right of center party against the NDP that winds up being the race. And that's the way it's been the last two times out here in Ontario as well. How do you prevent that from becoming the case in this province if you're the liberal leader? Well, I lived through the beginning of that conversation at the federal level where we were in third place and there was that concern about being squeezed from right and left in the lead into the 2015 election. And we went from third to first successfully, I think because we spoke about a strong fairness agenda for lifting people out of poverty through the Canada Child Benefit. We spoke to a, a serious fairness agenda for the middle class. We also spoke to the need to build infrastructure and, and to have a, a, a sense of fiscal sustainability. At the time, we were, we were talking about running modest deficits, but for capital infrastructure. Uh, and there was a message that we were able to unite strong voices on the economy with strong voices who wanted a stronger so social safety net. And whether it, I just got off a call with uh, the uh, president of the Métis Nation of Ontario. We, we had a strong emphasis on reconciliation. We had a strong emphasis on climate action. And I think we, that we are able to marry ideas. We were able to marry them at the time. It was able to say, we're not going to cede an economic agenda and fiscal discipline to the Conservatives, nor are we going to concede progressive policies to the NDP. We can and should do both. And at the end of the day, look, I, I'm in Beaches East York, and the NDP is my main opposition here in Beaches East York. I think what really separates us, even where we agree, and we don't always agree, but where we do agree, whether it's ending chronic homelessness, whether it is improving our social safety net, whether it's serious, credible climate action, 
how I really make sure there's a, a clear differentiation is on the serious, incredible approach that we bring to bear, that our math adds up. We've put the homework in. The third parties who do this work in civil society are going to endorse our plan and, and be part of building our plan. And there's a, a clear difference in how we approach things. The climate's a great example. Do the NDP have a bigger promise sometimes? Sure. Do their pro does their promise add up when you look under the hood and, and at the actual implementation of it? Not, not at all. And so there's, I think we can in a friendly way say we've got shared priorities, but we are going to be the serious credible party that delivers on those shared priorities at the same time as we focus on a really strong economic agenda, that we look at education and excellence in education as a driver of that economic agenda. We look at a post-secondary strategy, feeding a growth strategy. We look at the need to build infrastructure and you look at population growth in London, you look at population growth in, in you know, building out really in many ways from the GTA as there's, a, as there's an exodus from the GTA and growth is really pushing outwards. You, you look at that and you say, well, what is the provincial government's job? It's to build infrastructure to manage that population growth. And so there, there are many ways that we as a Liberal Party have to speak the language of the economy and, and also speak the language of fairness and, and do so with a sense of honesty. Yeah, I think that there's definitely something to that and, and people may be looking for that quote unquote middle option, but it's interesting the way that other provinces sort of uh, diverge from that. Something that people asked about and talked about leading up to the 2022 election is, hey, why can't the liberals and NDP work together? Now, I think it's 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 more complicated than that. Like you said, there are some there are some places where there's disagreement on policy and things along those lines. But would you ever be open to deals surrounding, OK, we're not going to run in ridings A, B and C, and then you won't run in ridings D, E and F or or things along those lines? Is that something you would ever consider? Or is that just a no-go right off the jump for you? No, I think that's something to consider at some point, if, if it makes sense. I don't think that should be off the table. I think a, a merger should be off the table. I, I think that would certainly not be a, an appealing option to me. I was asked that when I did a, a panel right after the June election on the agenda, and it was a hard no right from the get-go. But other levels of cooperation make a good deal of sense. And when you look at what's happening in federal politics right now, we went through a lot of cooperation and collaboration in Parliament during the pandemic. As soon as we were through emergency measures, though, we saw that cooperation collaboration really fall off the, the table in a serious way. And it was really fractious Parliament until we got through the 2021 fall election. And then there was a deal struck between the Liberals and NDP to make sure there was stability in our Parliament. And we were able to deliver on our agenda and, and to some extent, a shared agenda. And... I think that kind of cooperation in that moment made a ton of sense for what we needed. We, we couldn't afford another election. We needed to see through a sense of stability and, and delivering for Canadians. And when I look at cooperation at the provincial level, does it make sense to today say, we're not going to run in these ridings? <laughs> I don't think it makes any sense to, to mark that kind of territory out now. But in advance of the run up to the next election, does it make sense to sit down and say, vote splitting is a reality and first past the post? Let's be upfront and honest about the challenges of that and how do we manage that to make sure we don't have another majority conservative government that is going to undermine housing affordability, that is going to undermine our healthcare system and 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 nursing, that is going to undermine our environment and, and the green belt. How, how do we make sure we we deliver on what most of Ontarians want and need? And so I I, I don't I, I wouldn't by any means rule out cooperation from from the start but one has to be careful about what that cooperation looks like and and maintain distinction i think between our parties because i don't think any there are some people who have called for a merger but it's it's not something that i think should 
and we should entertain in any serious way. I, I got to ask you about this. It's a key issue for me and it's social assistance rates. And I'm of the belief that Ontario works and ODSP rates being so low relative to the poverty line is the biggest issue in this province right now. And I was disappointed by not only the liberal and NDP plans for this in the last election, but I'm been very disappointed by complete and total inaction from the Ford government on this file. What would what would your plan look like if you were the leader of the Ontario Liberal Party? I'm glad you asked this question because it, I have chaired the all-party anti-poverty caucus since Art Eagleton retired from the Senate. And I can't take full credit by any means for the increase to the Canada workers' benefit, which we've made automatic and we've almost quadrupled since getting into office in 2015. But it was a policy resolution that I brought to caucus very early on in 2016. And I played, I think, a, a large role in, in seeing that through. And so you look at the federal level and we've lifted many people out of poverty through the Canada Child Benefit. Sherry Torgman, one of the architects of that policy, is going to assist me in developing social policy at the provincial level for what we want to do and deliver. And so that idea of a stronger social safety net that leaves nobody behind is going to be a central message that we want to deliver as a matter of fairness and as a matter of compassion. Now, in terms of exactly what it looks like, I think at a high level, OW and ODSB have not demonstrably increased in, in any serious way. The social determinants of health are such that we are going to pay for this at some point if we don't help people right from the get-go in our healthcare system and our justice system in our in our in social assistance and so we, we absolutely essentially have to look at it from a social determinants of health perspective and say how do we make sure we're helping people from the start and and from a fairness perspective but also from just a, a competent management of of our health systems and so what should the rates be that's going to be a question that we have to figure out as we go but at a high level the rates have to go up and the systems themselves have to be more accessible. And we have to get to a place where we're able to articulate a strong social safety net that leaves nobody behind for the very same reasons at the federal level that I've been so adamant about the federal government realizing the, the promised Canada disability benefit. Because if we don't realize the disability benefit, a stronger workers benefit, GIS and Canchal benefit, if we don't have a, a social safety net architecture that really covers everyone in a substantive way, Poverty is, just has so many knock-on consequences, not only individual lives, but but for society at large. And so, yeah, I, it's going to be a priority area for me, no question. I just have to work out exactly what the details are and to ensure that we can deliver on those details in a fiscally sustainable way. Last thing, Nate, before I let you go, and I took up a little more time than I said I would, but this has been a really good conversation. Uh, when do you think you're going to make a decision on this, on whether you're going to run for the leadership? Soon. The AGM we just had was really positive. We changed the rules as I needed to see them change. We've moved away from a delegated system to one member, one vote. Anyone listening, it's free to become a member. You, If you want better from our politics, if you care about that idea of a smart, fair, honest government, if you care about housing affordability, if you care about social safety net reform, as you just articulated, now is the time to get involved. We are building a team. We're, we're building a party, rebuilding a party in many ways that, that demands a level of seriousness and participation if we're going to have the, the, prov the provincial government and the representation and the leadership that we deserve. Where do we go from here? There's no timeline yet. So my hope is that we have a leadership race that is going to conclude before the end of this year. I, I don't think anything less than two years to become election ready 
is going to be sufficient. And so I hope that the new executive that we just selected at the AGM sets down rules sooner than later. I'm going to wait to see exactly what that timeline is, because that is going to play into my ultimate decision. But I'm more than 90% of the way there. I am convinced that this is where I can make the biggest difference. My my first experience in in politics at all was in provincial politics. My parents are were they were teachers, and my first experience was on the picket lines with them as a student in the Harris years. And you see firsthand the difference that politics makes for better, and in that case, worse. And you realize that this is the way to make a difference. You can't cede this ground to other people. You got to participate, get involved if you want to make that difference. And so I would encourage everyone to, to answer that same call and say, I'm going to get involved if I want better out of my provincial government and provincial politics. And I'm going to make a decision, I would say, in the next, hopefully hopefully before the end of April is, is, what, is what I'm gearing up for. Uh, yeah, I, I think that, that people are going to want to know sort of what uh, what who the candidates are and what the what the situation is going to be. And I'm uh, I'm fascinated to hear what happens. Uh, Nate, this has been a really good conversation. I'm glad that you and I could have this chat uh, uh, real quick. Uh, a London thing, because I did want to ask you about it. Uh, housing. This is something yes. that has been a huge concern here in the in, in the city of London. Cost of housing going way up, not enough housing, all these concerns. You, you know them, you've heard them. How would you make that better in a place like London or somewhere else in Ontario? Of all the issues that we need to address, the things that I hear about all the time, and I feel deeply myself, and frustra- frustration more than anything sometimes, uh, healthcare, housing, education, and environment, and, and social safety net reform, as you articulated. And on housing, it's at a high level, it's, it's pretty straightforward. We need the government to get out of the way, municipal governments, provincial government to get out of the way on market supply. We need to add more density. We need sufficient density to keep up with the pace of of population growth. Otherwise, we are never going to see housing affordability delivered in any serious way. And we need to make sure that the governments get back in the game on social housing. So ODSP and OW rates need to go up, but we also need to make sure there are deeply affordable homes for people to live in, whether that's modular housing, whether that is an expansion of co-op housing. We need provincial and, and frankly, at the federal level, we need governments to write bigger checks to build that kind of housing and to support that kind of housing managed by nonprofits. And at its at its heart, we need to make sure that when we look at housing, we treat housing as homes first and investments second, and especially when it comes to the resale market. And so uh, we are going to have a very, I would argue, progressive and, and aggressive focus on housing affordability. It is a productivity challenge when it comes to our economy and as a generational fairness challenge for too many young people. And if we don't deliver on this, if we cede this ground, we we shouldn't be in government. I uh, I, I would think so too. And, and, and like, I don't know if, if, how well you know Mike Moffat. He's been on this podcast a bunch of times, but he said, hey, the, the left and the center left has kind of ceded ground to the right on issues of housing fairness. And that's a dangerous spot for them to be in. And I agree with Mike there, just not necessarily from the perspective. I agree completely. But oh, who I, I want I to win, but like agree. just from a logic perspective, like, you know. I you, completely yeah. agree. And, and and Doug Ford right now, let's be, let's be frank, the rhetoric is not the wrong rhetoric. I'm I'm willing to say kudos for when Minister Clark and and Premier Ford get up and say we need to build more housing. Damn right we need to build more housing. And do are they too close to developers? Probably, but developers are going to build housing, and we need to facilitate that that development and and those housing builds. And we should be the Liberal Party that is going to build things. I I don't want to see that ground at all. And if we see that ground, and Mike's right, if we if we see that ground politically, then we've got no business being in politics. And the the difference, though, is I think 
it can't just be talk. It's got to be action. And Doug Ford on this particular file, the rhetoric is there. But as I say, when you look at the actual legislation they put forward, at times it's caused more problems than it's proposed to solve. And so I, I do think we have to say, let's have a focus on ending exclusionary zoning in a serious way and making sure that market supply is going to get built at scale and then making sure that we also get governments back in the game and, and making investments so that a, a certain percentage of that supply is 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 deeply affordable for for those who otherwise would never be able to afford market rates nate this was uh this is really great thank you so much for doing this to me i'm glad you could do it yeah thanks i know i, pr- I appreciate the invite that's uh nader's smith uh potential future candidate for the ontario liberal leadership here on the craig needles podcast The Craig Needles Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.